Well, what we see here this morning in our gospel text is discussion about the uh, destruction of the temple, of the Old Testament temple. Jesus is speaking in a very you know, tragic tone of voice, of course, about the Roman uh, military coming into Jerusalem in 70 A.D. took place not too much longer after uh, Christ um, died and rose from the dead. And uh, they, they leveled everything to the ground. And at that time, the sacrificial system of the Jews came to an end. No longer uh, were there sacrifices offered in the temple. And uh, that was very fitting. It was part of God's divine um, plan because a new sacrifice had come into existence. It was the sacrifice of Christ, and it was then the sacrifice of Christ represented in the Eucharistic sacrifice. Um, so this new sacrifice and the new uh, dispensation of God came into effect right around the same time that the old sacrificial system uh, went defunct. And that was intentional. So with that in mind, with thinking about this whole idea of sacrifice in mind, that leads us to the thought of priesthood. Because sacrifice depends upon priesthood. And we see in our first reading from the book of Revelation, this beautiful exclamation. It says that uh, the Lamb has made us... Let's see here. I'm trying to find it. For you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God those from every tribe and tongue, people and nation. You made them a kingdom and priests for our God. It's interesting. We've got, we got two things going on here. We've got the sacrifice of the Lamb. So we see the Lamb here present in the book of Revelation. The Lamb who was slain. Okay, the Lamb is a sacrificial animal. So Christ is the new sacrifice. But there's also priests that are being mentioned, and it's Christians who are priests. Uh, and the priesthood of the Christian is grounded in the sacrament of baptism, but really, at a deeper level, it's a participation of Christ's own priesthood. Christ is the new priest, as well as the new sacrifice. It's very interesting. He's both. He's the one who offers the sacrifice, and he is the one who is offered as the sacrifice. And that's true on Mount Calvary 2,000 years ago, but that reality is represented every time Mass is celebrated, so that Christ is the principal priest during the Mass. He is really, this is his liturgy that we're about to celebrate, that we are really in the midst of celebrating. It's Christ's liturgy. First and foremost, it's his worship of God the Father as according to his priesthood. And uh, he is offering himself. He is the victim. He is the sacrifice as well as the priest. That's offering the sacrifice. And we all participate. So by virtue of baptism, we enter into Christ's priesthood. And we ourselves, we have by way of extension, a priesthood. And uh, the minister has a, has a participation in Christ's priesthood in his own distinct way according to the sacrament of holy orders. But all Christians have a participation in Christ's priesthood in their own distinct way, um, according to the sacrament of baptism. 
Uh, and so this is what the book of Revelation is talking about. Jesus, the lamb who was slain, has made us all priests for our God to serve him. So now today we celebrate the uh, memorial of St. Elizabeth of Hungary. This lady was pretty pretty amazing. And I'm going to try to get this idea of priesthood tied in with her somehow. Um, this idea that Jesus is the priest and then he's also the object being offered or the sacrifice being offered. I think we see this in, in, a, in a remote way, I guess, at least in, in Elizabeth of Hungary in her life. Uh, she's a remarkable lady. She, Her mom, uh, she was born into the royal family in Hungary. And at that time, all of these different alliances would, would be made. And so the young princess would be married off to some uh, prince or king of another country. And that's how these different alliances between countries were, were established. Uh, her mother was murdered. It was like this kind of political assassination when she was only six years old. And that actually caused her to start devoting her life very intensely to prayer. Uh, you know, sometimes we think, you know, young kids, oh, they're just little kids, you know, they're not, they can't really be saints or they can't be spiritual or they're too immature to understand these sorts of things. And, you know, we, we kind of take it easy on them and dumb things down. Uh, young kids sometimes have access to the truths of the faith and the mysteries of the faith more easily than adults do because they, you know, adults have sometimes only to unlearn bad things that they've learned in their life. A child has only to learn. It's a beautiful thing. So if you expose them to the, to good things, uh, they can be formed very, very well. So she was a remarkably saintly woman, uh, young, young girl at the age of six years old. She started a, a very intense life of prayer. She was married by the time she was 14. Uh, she was married to a, a German prince. And this guy was a very devout guy, too. Um, and then she was widowed by the time she was 20. And uh, she was a contemporary of St. Francis of Assisi. And she heard about St. Francis of Assisi way over in Italy. And, and the Franciscans were, it was an explosion. I mean, they were preaching everywhere. They were going all over Europe. It was a huge movement. So she was very much influenced by the Franciscans. Uh, and she opened up hospitals. She herself, even before she was widowed, as the, as queen of Hungary, she's 19 years old, it's 17 years old, she's going out, she's feeding the poor, she's ministering to the sick in the hospitals. Um, and she's oh, she's a teenager at this time, it's a remarkable. So she's widowed at 20. One of uh, She comes into this kind of intense relationship with her confessor, spiritual director, when she's 20, and she only continues to grow in holiness. Uh, and is known for her charitable works of the poor. She dies when she's 24. So she's a very, very, you know, a lot of these saints, they died young, they lived very intense lives. They were like these burning, burning flames and torches, and they kind of burnt out quickly. But uh, And she was canonized only about two years after her death because there were so many miracles taking place at her tomb. Uh, well, anyway, there's a story. Uh, while she was, her husband was still alive, she was only a teenager at this time, here she was ministering to the poor, and she actually went and brought a leper into the palace. And she took the leper and laid the leper on her and her husband's bed. <laughs> now, her mother-in-law went nuts, completely nuts. And, uh, you know, the husband, he was a very devout guy and pious guy, but this was going a little too far. So, for, for, even for him. So he went up there, he was mad, he was frustrated. They, they got the leper out of there. And he, as he pulled up the sheets of the bed, he, God gave him a vision. And in his vision, he saw Christ laying on that sheet, defiling that 
that sheet. And he realized that when you, when you serve the poor, you're serving, you're serving Christ. I think the lesson for us is the more that we function as priests in this world, because a priest represents Jesus, the more we represent Jesus in this world, the more we're able to actually recognize Jesus in our neighbor. So that it's their directly relationship to each other. If we don't want to act like Jesus, we don't we don't see Jesus anywhere. But if we act like him, we begin to see him everywhere and we begin to minister to him. So it becomes subject and object, which is exactly what happens in the Mass. The more that we enter into our priesthood as we participate in the liturgy and offer the sacrifice of the Eucharist together with the priest up here, the more that we enter into that reality, the more that we recognize Jesus in the Eucharist. So it's both subject and object. And that's true in the liturgy, and it's true in our care for the poor and our service to others in the world. So through the prayers today, my brothers and sisters of St. Elizabeth of Hungary, let us really be priests of Jesus. Let us be Jesus, and then thereby be able to recognize him in our neighbor.